Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Y'all, I am so excited to have our guest on the Influential Personal Brand Podcast today. If you're watching this on video, you'll see her lovely face. If not, you're about to hear from her. I am so excited because we have the opportunity to not only know Miss Tia Graham, but to also get to work with her. She's a client of ours at Brain Builders Group. She has this amazing upcoming book. Again, if you're watching, you'll see me holding up a book. If not, um, you'll just hear me talk about it, but it's called Be a Happy leader. And who does not want to be that? But I think one of the reasons that I wanted to have Tia on is this really cool divide and combination of how do you use your personal brand to grow your existing business while also extending parts of your personal brand outside of your existing business, which I really love. And I also, I just love this whole concept of using happiness as a science to have more productive team members and leaders and humans as a whole. So Tia, I'm so excited about this. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Oh, this is going to be so great. So, okay. So we're going to keep this a little casual. And as we go throughout the interview, I want you to tell everyone a little bit about the book that's coming out later this month. It's very exciting. And then I want you to make sure you can tell people where they can get a copy of the book because it's launching soon. All right, Tia, so you're our guest on the show today, and we don't typically have a ton of our clients on the show for whatever reason, but I thought this would be a really great opportunity for someone who, in your words, would say that you're maybe in more of the beginner mode of building your personal brand, but also established in your business. And so I'm curious, what was it about you and What was it about it in general that says, yeah, I want to build my personal brand? How did that come about for you? Sure. Yeah. So I was very intentional when I named my company and created my company, which is called Arrive at Happy. It's not called Tia Graham. My intention is I want it to live on way past me and continue to grow and help people past my life. It was definitely part of my intention. But I also was very cognizant that so much of Arrive and Happy right now is Tia Graham. You know, now I'm an author, but I speak, I do professional development with leaders, very active on social media platforms, et cetera. And the way, one of the main ways that I've built my business is through relationships, relationships with Tia Graham. And so <laughs> when I connected with brand builders and was learning a lot about sort of building your personal brand, I just became very aware that you know, I wanted to focus on both. It's, it's growing Arrive at Happy, but it's also this focus on Tia Graham, which supports Arrive at Happy. I love that. You know, and it's something that we talk about all the time with our community and, and even on this podcast around everyone has a personal brand, i.e. your reputation. It's just some of it build it more proactively. 
So I'm curious, so how would you say, because you do have this really awesome combination of both B2C and B2B opportunities here, how would you say that you have seen building your personal brand actually help you grow Arrive at Happy? So I would say the number one way is straight, what I call strangers, right? I just said I built my business through relationships and people that I've worked with in different companies over the past couple of decades, but By focusing on building my personal brand, I've seen an increase in amazing, wonderful strangers reaching out to me, you know, people from different types of organizations, different locations that have found me because of my personal brand growth. And they're interested in wanting to work with me, partner with me, and whether it be because of videos that I'm creating or articles that I'm writing or all of these different things that I'm doing to push out content that is valuable to people. I think that's the the number one indicator that I measure. It's not just people I know. It's like, as I said, loving strangers that then become clients and friends because of the focus on my personal brand. Uh, That's so good. So I'm curious. So I think this is interesting because we ask this all the time. So when you talk about your social media and you're putting out content and you're putting out videos, what would you say have you seen as when you get these loving strangers, which I love that, but what would you say, what types of content do you most often find that people are going, Hey, I saw this video and wanted to connect, or this really resonated. Like what type of content are you seeing? That's really getting the most bang for the buck for you. Yeah. It's actually aligned with something that Rory said recently. I see the same. So shorter videos, like I would say sort of in the one to three minutes, not edited, not even though I do have those, you know, edited videos, but the ones that just feel very natural, very native. And I'm speaking from the heart and truly answering questions that and sharing content that I think will really help people. Hmm. And when the people watching videos feel my energy and feel my emotions, those are the ones that get the most engagement, comment, shares, people reaching out to me, really thanking me and then wanting more. Oh, it's so good. I know this has been a whole thing. If anyone listens to the show on the regular, like we literally have been diving into this with every single guest because we're so fascinated. But yeah, we've seen the exact same thing in our company's feed and our own feed. It's like the more production value, the less engagement. And it's like the more it's like just you know, your phone out in the woods or, you know, in the gym, it's like that always gets the most engagement for us right now. So that's really interesting. You're seeing the same. Another question about social media and platform is what do you find like for you, since you've kind of got this like unique combination of you do lots of different things that all fit in the personal branding world, right? You've got this book now, which you're so excited about, Um, you're speaking and you have all these different things that you're doing. So what would you say, what platform, when you think about LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the things, what platforms are you using? that work for you and with your more professional audience? Yes. So for sure, number one by a long shot is LinkedIn. Although I do focus and continue to focus on other platforms because 
not as of right now, really 90, 95% of my business and of my revenue is B2B. I work with corporations, some nonprofits, but really it's, it's corporations. And so LinkedIn, whether it be for direct connections, conversations, doing LinkedIn lives, of course, and then, you know, pushing out relevant content. That one is, is definitely the one that, that I've seen the biggest ROI on. And even for example, for press, like I've had journalists in North America and even like Australia, you know, find me on LinkedIn and want to interview me. So definitely number one, LinkedIn. I love that. So I have a question for you then about that. So was that something that you discovered organically or was that this intentional decision of I'm going to analyze all the platforms and see which one's getting the most engagement? Or is it something that you just kind of fell into? How did you decide which platform that you were really going to go all in on? So it was really intentional. My background is leading sales and marketing teams in luxury hotels. And so I've actually been very active on LinkedIn my whole career, just in leading sales teams previously to, to having my own company. And so already I was living in that, you know, B2B sort of corporate space. And when I started the company and was, and was going arrive at happy, I put a lot of time and investment and intentionality towards that is a continuation from my corporate life. Mm -hmm. And as, but then also I was intentional on growing other brands like Instagram. I put a lot of focus on over the last four years and successfully grown that. And that was, that was new. I wasn't doing that in my corporate life before. Yeah. So you already had like a good established connection with your LinkedIn. And so it's just really building that over the course of time and just transferring the content and the business. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We had Jasmine Starr on the podcast a couple yeah, of months ago. That one. And she said something that I probably have said like a hundred times since. So I'm going to totally steal this, but I'll give her credit. So I think it's fine. But she said there's really two types of content that you have to consider when you're thinking about posting social media. There's the platform that you consume content on. Mm -hmm. And then there's the platform that you create content for. And I thought that was a really good distinction because very similar mm -hmm. to you, it's like my previous life was a B2B sales consulting, leadership consulting. And so it's like I had all these different connections and established on LinkedIn. But then when we started Brand Builders Group, I kind of forgot about LinkedIn because in this kind of like personal branding world, it's everyone is talking about, you know, YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And it was one of those interesting things where I kind of for went this amazing platform that I had built for 12 years of going, all right, now I need to expand. And it wasn't only until here recently, really, when I heard that interview from Jasmine Starr, that I really started pulling back up my LinkedIn and realized I have a gold mine here. Gold mine. A I gold know. mine. What have I been doing with myself for the last three years? So super refreshing to hear that because I don't feel like you hear as much conversation around LinkedIn mm -hmm. when it comes to this world we live in. But I would totally attest to what you're saying. It's now that I've been really just since October, really back active in producing content for LinkedIn and curating for that, I've seen an incredible boost of you know, anything from media to speaking requests to just engagement. And so I'm curious because you do have such a B2B presence. What would you say to someone who really is building their personal brand, who has a really large B2B 
kind of machine going. Mm-hmm. What's the best way that you have seen to use LinkedIn that you think is really working? Oh, great question. So I think posting, like we, going back to what I said before about creating creating native videos, but also being very cognizant that it's not Instagram and it's not Facebook. So it shouldn't be exactly the same, that it is more of a corporate business environment. So those regular videos that I'm thinking that I'm speaking to people who are in a community that are thinking about work, that are thinking Mm. about career and all of that. Right. So, so that's one for sure to be very intentional and authentic with the way that you communicate with people. So there are so many people that reach out in a very inauthentic copy and paste, fake salesy, I use the word icky way that it's complete turnoff. And you just want like delete. I never want to talk to this person. And when I think about LinkedIn and say, for example, there's a CEO or there's a VP of sales that I would love to be working with a company that I would love to be working with. I really look at LinkedIn as how can I start a conversation with this person? And I don't go at it. You know, I want to sell, or I want to tell them what arrive at happy does, or I want them to book me as a keynote speaker. No, it's about, you know, doing some research, looking at what's going on in their company and really starting conversations or if they post something commenting in a, in a really authentic way and having conversations with people and those conversations ideally then turn into zoom meetings and the zoom meetings then, okay, yes, you're moving along. Those are the two strategies that I've used consistently that have been very successful of just those native videos. But again, you're speaking to a professional audience and then really having real conversations with people. Mm, that's so good. I want everyone to make sure that you paid attention to this native video comment. Make sure that you're creating content for the platform that you plan to put it on. I think it's so easy in this world of feeling overwhelmed. It's like, I'll just make one video and I'll put it everywhere. And it's yes. like, no, create native content for the platform that you're curating it for. That's so good. That's yeah. so good. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I really want to talk about Be a Happy Leader. And I want to talk about this book. I want you to tell us what the book is about. But I also want to know why in your journey of building your personal brand and your business, Why did you think, or why did you want to write a book? So I very early on realized there's so many people in the world and I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. And I want to help as many people as I can with the lessons and the learnings and the insight that I, that I have. And through speaking and, you know, doing leadership retreats and everything, you could only hit so many people in a year. And so I have this vision of, There's a overworked, tired executive in Sweden. There's another person in Australia and books have that power, right? Books, whether it's audiobooks, print, ebook, et cetera. So really it was 
it was impact. And especially my word for 2020 is impact of how many people I could reach. So that was one big reason for writing a book. And also I am very cognizant that it adds credibility. I've seen it with clients and like, oh, great. We want your books. So and, and being a part of a national speakers association, I'm very active there. Of course, there's a lot of talk about books. So those were the two main reasons on the reason why I wanted to, and I really hope to write a lot more. So it's reach and credibility, reach and credibility. And I think that's really important. I love what you said, because I don't hear a lot of people phrase it that way, where it's like, I can only reach so many people at once, but it's like with this, it's like, I could be reaching a person in LA and a person in Sweden and a person over here. And I think that's so true. And it's, and I love to just a reminder that if you really want to write a book, you better have a deep hearted passion for the message because you're still in the thick of it. And I want you to tell everyone about the dirty, hard behind the scenes work that it takes to write a book. So for the person out there who has never written a book, but fills that tug on their heart or that longing of, I want a message that lasts beyond me. I want to create this legacy and I want to expand my reach and I want to help as many people as I can. And of course, I want it more credibility and more money, but and you better have those first reasons because this is not for the faint of heart. I would love for you to just go, all right, here's the behind the scenes truth of what it's going to be like to write a book. Yes, yes. So for short, you don't know until you're in it. You're like, oh my So one piece of advice that I recommend to anyone that asks me writing a book is to hire a writing coach. So I actually had a coach who I invested in. And of course, also writing a book and launching a book. It's an investment, time and money and your heart and soul. So that helped me in terms of researching and designing and then writing the manuscript. But I will say, I believe writing the manuscript and actually writing the book is the easy part, which for a lot of people, that seems like a big undertaking and it is. But if you want to do it right and and really get it out to as many people as possible and, and make the mark and have the reach, of course, there's the marketing and the promotion piece that comes after it. So as soon as I finish the manuscript and all the editing, and I mean, it's like work, it feels like never, ever ending. There's the piece and some people do this before and some people do it after, depending if you want traditional publisher, self-publishing, hybrid publisher, but there's the proposal piece, which is the business plan for the book. And I actually found that, and I've written business plans for 20 years for major hotel companies. This was more work for me in terms of how to do, you know, all of that piece. Then there's the execution. So looking at whether it's social media, list building, the PR, the influencer marketing, in my case, doing bulk sales to companies, retail sales, partnerships, speaking, all of it. So yeah, under the hood is a very, very big detailed engine of all the pieces. And I'm two years in, I mean, it's launching now and I'm very aware that it's going to continue. It doesn't end. And so going to your piece about the heart, I have a mission statement that when I was writing the book and through all the work that I continuously look at on, it's the why. And the why needs to be more than money to keep you going. It needs to be more than I want to make a lot of money. (laughs) And I want to make sure I don't neglect the fact that you said it's been two years, two years, y'all, one, two, 
this idea of like, Hey, I've got this idea. I don't want to have this book published in the next six months. Sure. It can happen, but this has been two years. And Mm -hmm. I think this would be worthwhile of going in and talking about the book proposal process. As you know, this is something that we talk a lot about at Brand Builders Group. We have an entire curriculum built around bestseller launch plan, how to launch a bestselling book. And it was one of the biggest mistakes that we made, right? And it was one of the hardest lessons that we had to learn of what makes a successful book proposal, because it is, it's a full business plan with sales and marketing and content for the book. So I'm curious how was doing the book proposal different from actually writing the book? And what would you say, what made one easier or harder than the other? So I believe that for me, writing the manuscript, writing the actual book was easier because it's your planning, your research, your ideas. And most people are very intimate and close with the format of books and how books flow, right? I'm an avid, I like devour books. So it wasn't foreign to me. Whereas the book proposal, this was the very first time that I had ever seen one before. Like I said, I've done hotel sales and marketing plans, but this book proposal is very, very different. This business plan is very different. And there are very specific pieces of the proposal that you need to follow. It's not like you can just, you know, get super creative and No, you need to have like, what are the competing titles? All of these different sections. And you have to be very intentional with every sentence, every word, you knowing that these are going to publishers, knowing that they receive the huge volume of how do you have yours stand out? And it took me so much longer than I thought. I mean, I allocated, okay, these days, these weeks, no. I mean, I think it took me five times longer And also there were several people, several professional people that I was going to, and they were giving feedback saying, no, Tia, scrap this, do it again, not good enough. (laughs) And that feedback of like, oh, do it again, you know, which I think, yeah, you guys had similar of like, keep wanting to do it. So obviously you you continuously, you know, the the next one will be better than than that one. Yeah, I think that's the gift of feedback. If you're willing to receive it, it's going to make you better. It might be painful in the process. but it's going to make you so much better if you just take it and go, what can I do with this? How does this apply? I think we went back and forth with our book proposal for two years. <laughs> You're way ahead of the game from us. Uh, it's one of the reasons that you know we started Brand Builders Group is how do we expedite this process for others? And how do we make it simpler and more seamless? But yeah, you know, it's, it's all of those nitty gritty things where, and I loved what you said too about the why has got to be greater than the money because it's going to be painful and it's going to be expensive mm-hmm. and all the things that you don't think it's like, Oh, I'm just going to get this huge advance and we'll take care yeah. of everything. It's not how it works. Right. Not how it works. Yeah. All right. So now I want you to tell us, like, tell us about be a happy leader specifically for my own selfish knowledge. I want to talk about this science of happiness and how do you apply that to what you do? And then how does that apply to the book? So Give us some inside scoop of some of this amazing content you've been working on. Sure. So Be a Happy Leader is about every single day as a leader, choosing your own well-being, choosing your own happiness, and using the science of happiness and neuroscience research to make choices to really be the best version of yourself. And it's also about really focusing on the happiness of your team, of the organization, And 
having a beautiful, rich life where you're not working all of the time. You know, I say a happy leader also has time to sleep, time with their family, time to exercise. And so it's in my eight step methodology that I've put together based on my leadership experience in the hotel industry, and then all of the happiness research I've been doing over the last five years. And the science piece is really the research over the last few decades coming out of Harvard and Yale and Berkeley. And it's the research that teaches us what makes humans thrive. So how you can increase those great emotions like excitement and joy and pride and have more fulfillment and purpose in your life. And it's also the research on when you're going through challenges, when you're extremely stressed, when you're really overwhelmed, when you are having, you know, whether it be, you know, personal relationships or or professional relationship, just life's challenges. It's also about this resiliency toolbox. And I think the science of happiness is even more valuable when you're going through the challenging times. And so I've put a lot of tactics and tips and research in there that people can use they can apply right away. And it's all research based on how to be a happier human. Yeah, I love that. And who does not need that? Yeah. Who does not need that? Especially now. I know, especially right now, especially as a leader. My gosh, there's plenty of things to be stressed out about in the world, but we have the choice to choose to be happy. If there was one thing in this book that you think every single person should read, what would it be? Oh, great question. One thing that every person should read is this section on emotional well-being, I think. And this is something I wish I learned when I was 16 and I learned about it when I was, you know, closer to 40 is having a really healthy relationship with all of your emotions and being very accepting of all of your emotions and being curious about them, seeing them as teachers, whether it's your personal life or whether it's work challenges that I think that is a very, a very crucial part to being a happy leader. Oh, I love that. All the emotions all the time. I always tell Rory, Rory says, babe, don't get mad. I'm "I'm not mad. I'm passionate. (laughs) Don't mistake my, what you think is uh, anger for passion. It just comes across in an aggressive way. Um, But it's always, this is ongoing theme. He goes, why are you so angry? And I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm passionate. Anger is a teacher. I really, you know, anger is telling you something, whether it's passion and anger or not. So <laughs> keep, keep, keep feeling it. I love that. But I think that's so good for everyone building a personal brand, building a business, just being a human. We all want to be happy, right? And we all search for happiness in the wrong places. We try to shut out the emotions because they're time consuming or we're told uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what to do with all these. I love this. I think everyone should come out and get this book. So Tia, can you tell everyone where they should go to learn more about you and how to get a copy of Be a Happy Leader? Uh, Thank you. You can learn more about me at arrive at happy.com and for the book, happyleaderbook.com. And thank you so much for, for having me and for all of Brand Builder's support in building the brand and helping me spread the message. Oh my gosh. I hope every single person across the world from Guam to New Zealand to Sweden (laughs) gets their hands on this and it's happyleaderbook. Yes. Happyleaderbook.com. 
All right, y'all, you know where to go. Tia, thank you so much for being on the show. And to everyone else, catch us next time on The Influential Personal Brand. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.